We're like, I'm Barbara Walters, and my guest tonight sleeps in a coffin and doesn't like the sun. Yes, it's a vampire. We have to go back! Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are sitting down with none other than the interview with the vampire. The 1994 American mm. Gothic horror film. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, this movie has a lot in the title because, yes, it is Interview with the Vampire. But mm-hmm. you may not realize that it keeps going with colon, which are actually two bite marks, fun fact. <laughs> um, the Vampire Chronicles. Yes, that is the novel uh, wow. that Anne Rice wrote, and she adapted the screenplay. So you know wow. that it was faithful to the source material. I, probably. I will never look at a colon title the same. Every colon mm. title is, you know... Uh, a hidden vampire movie. I I love it. Really it is. Yeah. That's wow. why they're more likely to to live in perpetuity, to go wow. on forever. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so, Interview with the Vampire is a movie based off of a book that I didn't know. So I I'm just gonna just. Put my age out there. My main reference to vampires is Blade and Twilight. Like I've sh- I'm familiar mm. with the universal like monsters and like Dracula and stuff and you know whatnot. But like those are my main references. But apparently, Interview with a Vampire walked, nay strutted, so that Twilight could run. And I I see and understand. So much of that now, because prior to watching this movie, Grayson, I didn't understand the whole vampire craze is like why people really liked them or why people thought vampires were like attractive in any way. Not saying that I now do, but I'm just saying I can see the uh, I, I it's just it's all very close. Yeah, I get it. I get the appeal. You're vi- yeah, no, I'm I. There's just a lot of closeness with with this movie, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, So one of the big things about this movie is that it's not only based off of a book, but an entire book franchise uh, dating back to 1976. So Anne Wright first, sorry, not Wright, Anne Rice wrote uh, the interview with the vampire in 1976, uh, and it was based on a short that she wrote in 1968 uh and the novel uh follows louis uh who tells the story of his life to a reporter and rice composed the novel shortly after the death of her young daughter michelle who served as an inspiration for the child vampire character claudia uh though initially the subject of mixed critical reception the book was followed by many widely popular sequels collectively known as the Vampire Chronicles. Uh, and so here is the current list, because they're still adding to this as of 2018, uh, of the books that are in the Vampire Chronicle uh, anthology. Interview with the Vampire, The Vampire Lestat, The Queen of oh. the Damned, The Tale of the Body Thief, uh, Memek the Devil, The Vampire Armand, Merrick, 
Blood and Gold, Blackwood Farm, Blood Canticle, Prince Lestat, Prince Lestat in the Realms of Atlantis. Oh, questions. Blood Community. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. I feel like that just obliterated my recast and remake. I'm so sorry. I uh No, but it's good to know. I got some reading to do. Yeah, yeah, a lot of reading. The movie rights to this movie were optioned way back uh after her first book was published in 1976. Uh, and it kind of did some studio hopping, but ultimately in the 90s, uh, it was finally optioned to be directed by Neil Jordan uh, after the success with The Crying Game. And then with David Geffen producing, the movie was given a $70 million budget, which was unheard of for a vampire movie at the time. Uh, he goes on to say, it's not very often you can get a complicated, dark, dangerous movie and get a big budget for it. Vampire movies were traditionally made at the lower end of the scale on a shoestring on rudimentary sets. David Geffen is very powerful and he poured money into the interview. I wanted to make an epic scale of something like Gone with the Wind. Uh, and so the movie was made uh, with originally Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt Based off of the uh, advice of Anne Rice, she actually thought that their role should have been switched. And she also oh, wasn't a huge fan of Tom Cruise uh, being in the movie. But once she saw him in wardrobe and saw his performance, she was like, I am so sorry, Mr. Cruise. I owe you a, a great deal of apology. And so she actually like bought out a two-page ad in Variety saying, this movie's great. I, because she was very public about, like, I don't like that Tom Cruise is in this movie. Like, she was very vocal. And then she saw his performance. And she's like, oh, okay. Yes. I, I see. Oh, I see. I see. So she's the anti doll uh, with <laughs> old doll. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, with a budget of $70 million, this movie went on to make over $223 million worldwide, uh, mm. which, is, if you're counting, is a lot of stakes. That was super interesting. I thought, you know, you talk about how it paved the way for Twilight and kind of how a whole generation thought about vampires. And I really respected that they were like, oh, stake through the heart? Nonsense. All that other like I'm fine with a crucifix and like I look at them all the time like all that <laughs> stuff. Then they're like sunlight. That's legitimate. That's a real thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it really simplified a lot of the lore, right. and I think it kept it a little more grounded. It's it's more of like their one kryptonite. Well, that I guess fire and beheading and <laughs> man, not a kids movie. But all of the <laughs> other stuff uh, it was kind of just superfluous. It was more about their life, not all of these things that make them sick or, or whatever. So, um, but yeah, the movie had uh, critical acclaim as well. It was nominated for two Oscars, uh, best art direction uh, slash set decoration. And it got also got nominated for best music uh, original score. And for the Golden Globes, they got, again, two nominations. The uh, best original score was up for it. And then best performance by an actress in a supporting role in a motion picture, young Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst? Kirsten? Kirsten? Kirsten. Kirsten? Kirsten? Mm-hmm. Young Kirsten Dunst. And I totally get it. This is great. Because yeah. I always thought that uh, Manjunji was like her earliest role. Right. I didn't even realize 
that there was this whole performance before it. Right. Yeah. So when you watch this movie, which which I recommend watching this movie for the first time, uh, just believing that you are actually about to watch an interview with a vampire. And so it says interview with a vampire. And then you see uh, these actors names pop up and you're like, oh, wait, they're a vampire. <laughs> like that was my immediate reaction. I was like, wait a second. I didn't know that Tom Cruise was a vampire brad pitt it's like wait kirsten dunst is a vampire like just as the credits were rolling after this interview with the vampire it just made me think i was about to watch a documentary um yeah but like a more of a frost nixon type interview yes and and, and kirsten dunst just did an amazing job in this movie like, i was very surprised to see her uh and so surprised by her performance i'm like oh that's that's very bizarre. And also, like, sure, Brad Pitt is in the movie, but on every poster and every, uh, you know, streaming device that had this movie, Tom Cruise is front and center. Oh, yeah. Well, you think <laughs> about so, the time, 1994. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Is this pre-Fight Club? Yeah. It's Yeah. yeah. This, this was definitely pre-Fight Club. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's... That's incredible. Yeah, that's a good question. What was what was he doing on on either side of it? Let's take a stroll down IMDb Lane. I, why, the IMDb. Why did that feel so weird in my mouth? Um, yeah. So back in 1990, go to actor credits first, <laughs> not producer credits. What was he silly. producing in the 90s? Everything. Hits. Hits, hits. after hits. Uh, yeah. So in 94. He was a busy boy. Uh, so he did The Favor. He did Interview with the Vampire, uh, Bite the Vampire Chronicles, Legends of the Fall. And then the year after that was it, uh, Seven and Twelve Monkeys. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. But really before this, uh, this is major. Really before this, there, there wasn't a bunch. He did A River Runs Through It. Um, he had a part in Thelma and Louise. Uh, I'm just looking for the more kind of noticeable ones, but uh, he had done a lot of TV. You know, it was 21 Jump Street and, and things like that. So, um, and really just a few episodes here and there. So this was a really big deal for him. It's pre-Meet Joe Black. It's it's pre-Fight uh, Club and Snatch and uh, Ocean's Eleven. And so, yeah, it, it's interesting to see like Kirsten Dunst and Brad Pitt really breaking out in similar ways in this movie and so it makes sense that the poster would be huh we're gonna do tom cruise yeah uh so brad pitt in his experience with this movie had some complaints Uh, he hated the makeup he didn't Mm. like how long it took him to get into makeup well they had a weird ritual for doing the the makeup the method was pretty bizarre yeah, they had to like put the makeup on in a coffin. They didn't in in complete darkness, and it just just guess. I mean, yeah, I it was. But they very they would effective. actually hang upside down mm-hmm. for thirty minutes before makeup, and then they would trace the blood vessels. Oh really? That. Oh, is that that's real. That's not like a joke. No, that that's real. Yeah, they'd wow. hang upside down, um, and they would have to repeat it because the blood would drain, and, and they'd keep going back to it. But 
Yeah, to get realistic uh, vessel tracing along the sides of the face. That's how they did that. Wow. Yeah, so not that doesn't sound fun. And I, every time I see an actor with the uh, color-correcting lenses, it's like, yeah, I'm sure those are uncomfortable. They look uncomfortable. Yeah. They look like it added a windshield to your eye, <laughs> and that does not seem fun. Uh, it, it looked painful. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I was just like, wait, Brad Pitt, but didn't you spend, like, years of makeup doing Benjamin Button playing yet another semi-immortal soul? <laughs> Uh, don't, don't you kind of oh man just do that? I would have thought you'd keep that in your pocket for head cannon. <laughs> oh, that is no, no, really no. interesting. No, 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 no. So this was my first time watching this movie uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, this came out before Space Jam. So I assume uh, that uh, I wasn't allowed to watch this movie until much later. Uh, yeah, it's a but, hard R. It's a hard R. And still the highest grossing R-rated vampire film of all time. And Marvel is just, <laughs> we're waiting. They're just like, as soon as this pandemic is over, Blade, we want gonna those be, records. It's going to be a race between Mobius and Blade. <laughs> yeah. but So is this your first time watching the movie? It was my first time watching the movie, and I realized I knew nothing about it. Like I said, I thought it was going to be more traditional interview style for whatever reason. Because I mentioned to my wife, I was like, we're going to watch Interview with the Vampire. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, Kirsten Dunst plays like a a little little girl. I was like, that doesn't sound right. No, we're watching Uh, a documentary. Yeah, no, you don't understand. I think like Richard Attenborough's doing it, and they're teaming (laughs) up with... Morley Schaefer from 60 Minutes. I don't know. But it was just, yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect. And uh, it was really interesting to watch. I enjoyed it uh, a lot. But what I was sad to find out, you know, I I watched all the way through and, uh, you know, it, have, it has the in memory to River Phoenix at the end because mm-hmm. River Phoenix was originally cast in that Christian Slater role of Malloy. Oh, and wow. So, when River Phoenix passed away, uh, Christian Slater got the part, and I thought this was really classy. It's, he donated uh, $250,000, which was his salary for the movie, to uh, two of River Phoenix's uh, charities of choice. So um, they're like his favorite charities that he had donated to in the past. And so to pay tribute to him, uh, he performed the role and then gave the money away. And it's... Uh, yeah, so it, it it puts kind of this underlying meaning to to all of it, and you know it would have been a very different movie, and who knows what those scenes would have been like. But experiencing this for the first time, I really love the chronology of it. To me, it had mm-hmm. like um, like a Gulliver's Travels type feel. Oh, There's yeah. so many different areas you can explore and and rules of the world every time. Um, that I I had a really fun time with it. I I was surprised by everything it actually was but i i had been somewhat familiar with it like it it was a successful enough movie to kind of make its way into the zeitgeist so i've heard people make references to the movie to some degree uh but never knowing the actual content of it and it just it just has so much vampire lore that i was like oh yeah well you know someone did it someone really flushed this world out uh, pun always intended, and they 
they just they 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 went for it. I, I became very invested in what was happening to Louis or uh, Claudia, uh, mm-hmm. and Lestat was just such a fascinating character. Like I'm surprised that they didn't do more with this franchise because, like, I mean, the way the cliffhanger ending kind of leads it, I'm like, okay, great. So like, we're gonna see like the 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 12 movie series like we're just gonna do all these other movies right Mm -hmm. uh and i i was just expecting it which also tom cruise man he he he's a vampire he's a mummy i think he's just going for just all of them i i think i mean it depends on how you look at mission impossible he's kind of frankenstein because there's no way there's no way yeah. any actual human being, unless they are just, a collection of multiple human beings, can do the things that Tom Cruise can do. Resurrected over and over again. Yeah. yeah. Live, die, repeat. Yeah. Yeah. The movie. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's, it's, I really enjoy his performance in this too. And I do wish that we could have seen more in the franchise. Um, but it was interesting to read that Johnny Depp was offered the role of Lestat. That would have been really different as and well. And he didn't take it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the, the conflict was, but... Um, He's like, ah, oh, sorry, I, my scissors are hands for the next six months. Gotta do it. But similarly, uh, Anne Rice had met with Tom Hanks because she really enjoyed his performance in Philadelphia the year before. Wow. And uh, the movie, not the city, uh, I assume. And then uh, he turned it down so he could do Forrest Gump. So I think it all worked out all right. Yeah. I guess. I mean... Are we ever going to really know if Johnny Depp would ever make a really good vampire? It's not like he ever did that, right? I also saw that Daniel Day-Lewis was given the part, like, before all of that. Wow. Uh, But he he dropped out weeks before filming. Uh, Wow. That would be hard for him to, to live as a vampire for real. Yeah. 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 Eating rats and stuff. Oh yeah, I was gonna bring that up. So we've we talked last week about how we have the series of movies where rats are interacting with food. How was it to see a movie where rats are the food? <laughs> Vindication comes to mind, Grayson. Uh... <laughs> That's what you get from messing with food, rats. No, I mean it was it was just so like I was just so like. It's it's weird because uh, I one time Grace and I remember we were watching like a behind the scenes featurette on like a random season of Doctor Who, and I remember you you said something and it was like an Easter special or something and you're like, this is this is all happening because someone had an idea, <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, like like this whole movie, this whole world building, like seventy million dollars were given to someone because someone had an idea about vampires, and I was just I was really impressed with the way that they structured like how other vampires are created um, and how certain vampires from like the old world live in a certain way versus the new world and how each vampire has their own different abilities and it's things that you don't really question Mm -hmm. about like you know vampires 
Uh, it's kind of like the whole thing of like, oh, like how does Superman fly? Like no one asks. Like it's like, oh, because you know, midichlorians. Well, like no one questions it. He just they're does. gonna explain it anyway. <laughs> it makes you lighter. Gravity. Uh, but Gravity. no, but they, but they do kind of add to this lore of like, oh well, you can make other vampires by doing this or like and why like the reason why vampires do or don't do things and like there's like this weird pecking order like it's wild like how vast the world is and i was very uh impressed with it and also with the very subtle things that they did with uh like passages of time Mm -hmm. Uh, like the the scene where kirsten dunce said you gave me uh, a doll. Is she English? I don't know. Uh, you give me a doll. Um, at the same time every year. It's like, and then it's for every birthday. And then she has this scene where she's getting rid of all of her dolls. They're like, wait a second, how long has it been? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, this is so bizarre because, I mean, they do look exactly the same. And time is just marching forward. And it was bizarre. Yeah. Speaking of the character of Claudia, uh one of the uh well a couple of young actresses that auditioned for the role was christina ricci uh julia styles and evan rachel wood which would have been interesting because it would have meant that evan rachel wood and fandy newton would have worked together way before they would meet on westworld but wow different universe different universe yeah and uh and i think i mean since we both saw this for the first time i think my main thing that i noticed this time around that I never really noticed about vampires just as a whole. It's just like, I, it's, it's that as soon as Brad Pitt turned into a vampire and he just started holding things with like the palm of his hands, Mm -hmm. I was like, the vampires just have an aesthetic. Like it's just across the board. As soon as that happens, everyone is like, you know what? I think we're gonna inspire some some hot topics in the future. I I I don't want to call it that per se, but I feel like we will be inspiration for someone in the future. Because like I just love how like wherever he went, I mean, he was looking for vampires, and then he found some. It's, they're just like dressed exactly the same. Just like, oh, well, just have my top hat and my cape, and we're off. We're out for a a jaunt about town. Yeah, it's a very specific look and very specific behaviors. Uh, I did read that Tom Cruise, uh, he would watch uh, videos of lions on the hunt taking down zebras. And that was his... Like physical animal character work for it as well. Wow. The whole thing is that he's a hunter, right? He has these projects that he invests in, and but ultimately he hunts alone. Wow. Uh, yeah. I think the cool thing to see with this particular movie is how y- they basically got to have. I feel like this movie was vampires. Uh, the Dark Knight trilogy or the Dark Knight saga, where it's just like vampires had traditionally been this kind of fairly campy um, creature or property that people didn't really want to touch or, you know, uh, put any uh, meaningful thought 
into as far as a media uh, or mass media goes. But they really took their time to like ground this as much into a world that that Anne Rice really, you know, took the time since the 70s to really, really flesh out. Uh, I really enjoyed watching this movie and, and I'm really glad that I finally saw it. And uh, I think I might be ready to watch Twilight now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was really fascinating just the time period that the t- this takes place, like over the course of historical events, but also where it, the actors were in their career. Because, like, I know Brad Pitt, we, we already talked about this part, but, you know, he's also known for eating on screen. Uh, you can find all these super cuts of him just eating different things. And this just seemed extreme. Um, usually it's like apples, <laughs> pudding, maybe. This yeah. usually isn't in those cuts, but it could be. Yeah. I think you have an edit to work on Grace. <laughs> just just <laughs> like chewing on eggs and toast and all of a sudden rat. And like, oh. So so here's something that I thought was really interesting. So they all just had their normal names whenever they became vampires. I for some reason I assumed someone would have a vampire name. Like oh, yeah. Count Chocula. I don't think is a family name. Uh, like, <laughs> Please, my father's Mr. Chocula. I'm a count. If I were to be a vampire, I'd be. I'd probably go with Count Headcanon. Headcanon. <laughs> Headcanon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. My headcanon. Uh, we watched the documentary. Tom Cruise is a vampire. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think my real my real piece of headcanon is that uh, Anne Rice is a vampire. Uh, oh, memoirs of a vampire. Yeah, yeah. I think my biggest piece of headcanon just has to do with the idea that um, in ho- horror movies, scary movies from uh, multiple franchises. Uh, we'll just stick with the the main three, which is Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, all three of those people are vampires because hmm. they all seemingly never die, um, yeah. but and they all have different unique abilities, but they all kind of fit the bill of being. Um, uncharacteristically fast like Jason can basically teleport um, and uh, and they're really strong um, and also uh, sometimes silent uh, except for the Freddy Kruegers but again they all have different abilities like in this movie they established that like oh well some vampires can read your minds or your emotions and you know mm. Freddy Krueger uh, and they, they all strike at night they all strike at night. Freddy Krueger doesn't like fire. Uh, and he uh, can invade people's dreams, which I feel like is, you know, a pretty vampire-y thing to do. Uh, yeah, what and- if, because some people had mind the ability to read minds. What if reading a mind while someone is asleep causes you to invade their dreams? Ooh, see, that's good. I like it. Hmm. I will take that head cannon <laughs> and raise it as my own. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it's just like the movie monsters are actually vampires uh, that we are, 
and we just don't know. Like that's why they have such a a bloodlust because that's how they like survive and live on forever. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I connected my headcanon uh, specifically to Brad Pitt's character. Uh, I think it's a really fascinating idea of the vampire with a soul that he still you know, believed in good in the world and all that, even though he said, like, the last bit of me died in there because you made me do that and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the idea that he was able to make himself more human by doing good works in the world and making the world a safer place, like, to the point to where maybe he could withstand sun. Like, he's he's working back towards his humanity, trying to earn it back, um, which would make sense if you then watch Seven, that he is a detective <laughs> who's trying to put away bad people and all that, but he becomes fascinated with with the sin in the world. And they talk about the last evil in an uh, interview with a vampire where he's like, are we the last evil? Is there more out there? And so that he would become fixated on that kind of mission would make sense. So and I want to see where he goes because I haven't read the books. So uh, I, I want more more information. Yeah. What's, what's going on? Yeah, I that is really good. So the ending is pretty ambiguous, right? Um, it kind of leaves you wondering and asking a lot of questions. Uh, I think. Well, I think Christian Slater is going to miss his deadline, probably. Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh, that for sure ain't happening. It's uh, the dead in Deadline. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. is that a movie? Please tell me that's a movie. Are we about to make a movie, Grayson? Let's do it. <laughs> Six seasons in a movie. Uh, essentially, and I know I joked about this, but I'm bringing it back, that he ends up in San Francisco, right? hmm Tom Cruise just goes to Hollywood and just gets a lot of work. He he learned from the um, the vampires who like had an open theater when they were just, you know, openly killing and sacrificing people. Uh, to just like, oh wait, I can I can do stunt work, I can do my own stunts because you know I'm immortal. Sure, got it. I'll go do that. He wasn't jumping on the couch. He was flying. He was flying, Oprah. <laughs> he was flying. That had to be weird for Louis then watching all those movies like he did and being like, hey, wait, I, I know, know that guy. Now we're going to the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast, remake. If this movie were to be made today, who is a cast? What would the storyline be? Grayson, I think mm-hmm. we all know. Oh yeah. Who we're gonna cast in this recast all, remake? All the same people. Oh yeah, I mean sure. Oh, oh no, no. But also, uh, so what? Who I'm going to cast is uh, people who I believe are actual vampires or, at the very least, definitely immortal. Uh, we're going to start the list off with Keanu Reeves. There there are paintings of him from several centuries ago. It looks just like him, Keanu Reeves. Um, also, Paul Rudd. Either he explains himself or he jumps onto this uh, movie, Will Smith. 
makes zero sense. I don't understand how he still looks like he did when I first saw him. Uh, and, I mean, I have to throw him in here. Nicholas Cage. I mean, yeah. dude is not only immortal, but timeless. Tilda Swinton as Ooh, well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, I would say I'm going to throw like Eddie Murphy in there as well. Like there, there are just several people who I'm convinced have been here for a very long time, longer than like internet records. And that's pretty long. Uh, so that, that's my casting. I like that. That's solid. Yeah. Just all of these immortal celebrities. Yeah. You'd really save on craft services. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. But see. but you you, you really burn the cost extras. back in personnel. Yeah. Yep, there yeah, it yeah. is. It's that's actually more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of a lot of night shoots. Um, with my recasting, I so especially early in the movie, you know they they anchor it in the American South and, um. I had this idea in my head that maybe I'm maybe this has already been made and maybe it's I'm giving away this movie. I don't know. But to recast Brad Pitt, the character of Louis, uh, with Lakeith Stanfield, where from uh, Sorry to Bother You and Get Out and Atlanta, um, because my idea was instead of being like the owner of that place, I think it's way more interesting if he is a slave in the 1700s who is given the power of vampirism and feeds on all the slave owners. And then it's him through history of being like, I have all these, like that just seems like a really fun movie to watch. Grayson, Jordan Peele's agent hates you right now. Cause, I mean, he, Grayson. I think he might go missing soon. Cause that's good. That's oh. that's amazing. And I just well, thank you. And I, I think Lakeith Stanfield is such a versatile actor, and uh, I love watching him in really weird stories too. Like, sorry to bother you if you haven't seen it. Is such a weird movie that he keeps it grounded in the whole time. I think he'd be really great at that. Uh, and then I went. I went back to like the Tom Cruise character being like a Dave Franco type um, where it is kind of that like chiseled kind of like uh, guide into this world. But then mm-hmm. basically what I did was I, I just combined Django and chain with vampires. It was, was all it is. Um, and then uh, for Kirsten Dunst's character for Claudia, uh, Daphne Keene. Oh, yeah. Because she likes killing people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what I had. But I I wish that they had continued on with this story in film form. I think that would have been really fun and pretty dark, cool, mature anthology to have in this world. And, uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. I I wish it was a miniseries, like a limited – like a Watchmen-style, one-and-done – limited series where every episode is like a different story from the the chronicles man 
That's good. And, and you brought you reminded me about Vampire in Brooklyn, uh, starring Eddie Murphy and Angela Bassett. Uh, I'm not convinced mm. that it's not in the same world because it came out just uh, just one year. It came out in '95. Uh, but a ship sails into Brooklyn with all of its crew dead, but Whoa. something gets off and the killing continues on land. Ooh. So maybe what? there is yeah. a spiritual successor. Or the animated one, uh, Lady and the Vamp, which is a real, uh, really hard to to rate that one. Uh, Motion Picture Academy took a while. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I I have a hard time finding that on Disney Plus. Surprisingly, mm, it's on Disney Minus. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. Ooh, you you want that kind of stuff? Uh, no, that's uh, that sounds like Fox territory. <laughs> Good thing we bought them. Yeah, I seriously think that they could. Uh, yeah, I, I love the idea of it being like a, a one and done kind of anthology, um, or even like in the style of like American Horror Story. Like if they just mm, did mm-hmm. Vampire Chronicles and it's just uh, just in the world of vampires, where you just see these different stories throughout these different um, time periods and even locations. Cause I was really amazed by their, uh, their jaunt across the sea when they were in Paris and just hanging out. I'm just like, Oh, this is like culture shock. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's interesting how their ecosystem and even like their, um, just their mannerisms and everything. It was just different. And so I, I think that there's a lot of story to tell there. And plus, you have so many books to base it off of. So Queen of the Damned, uh, starring the late Aaliyah, uh, uh-huh. I didn't realize was part of the Vampire Chronicles. So I thought that was what we were watching. Like, content-wise, I thought it was going to uh-huh. be more like that. Yeah. And it, it was not. No. No, it was not. There were, like, so many ponytails. So many ponytails. I mean, we've done some ponytail movies before, but never, yeah. never like this. No, not like this. Never like this. Well, it just would have grown back, which was a really interesting dynamic to to be like, you know what? All that can't see the reflection stuff. No, all of that silver bullet steak, holy water stuff. No. Silver bullet might be werewolves. I'm not sure about that. But it's like all that have to invite them in. No. But tell you what, tell you what's going to get real crazy up in here is I forgot what we were talking about. Dang it. What, what, thank you. You know, it's going to get really crazy up in here. Cut their hair, grows back immediately. Like you're crazy, Anne Rice. You're just crazy. Making this stuff up. I love it. It's a new thing I learned about vampires. Yeah. Well, because I thought that it was going to be one of those things where the opposite was just like, oh, no, poor thing, because she doesn't know that it's not going to grow back because she's dead. I I just thought that that was going to be a thing. But then they they switched it up. I'm like, wait, why? How did that happen? Yeah. It just kind of the Santa Claus beard (laughs) grew back. Yeah. Wait, Santa a vampire? All right. There it goes. Vampire Claus. Grayson, I, I think I need to take a, a sabbatical so I can write my vampire Santa Claus script and get Hallmark that. and uh-huh. and uh, Freeform to buy the script simultaneously 
so that it can play on two networks three times a year. I think I think I found my calling. And I'm gonna go uh, write my art house uh, revisionist history horror film, and we'll see who does better <laughs> in the long run. I I I honestly think that yours is gonna do much better. I think mine in the short term, at the very least, might get picked up, but I don't think it'll see the light of day because the vampire script back in. <gasps> Oh, damn it. All right. I want to be on your project. (laughs) I (laughs) just walk into your pitch meeting. Hello, studio executives. I wrote a vampire script, but I know what you're going to say. It'll never see the light of day. Thank you. You have my contact information. All right. Now we're going to go do our final segment where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend... The interview with no, is it a interview? An interview. I think it's, I think it's just interview because it's cleaner. That makes it's sense. Cleaner. With the vampire, which made me think he was going to be the last one. Oh, the last yeah. vampire. There's another movie right there. Yeah. Huh? All yeah. Right. He's like the Noah of vampires. Uh, yeah. So, guys, why would you recommend interview with the vampire? I'd recommend this movie because Anne Rice really brings a lot of new aspects to it, new elements, and it's not the same expected tropes that you usually see in vampire films. Also, because of that, it feels more grounded than I think a lot of vampire films do. And we've seen this in other uh, other things where they, they weave in actual historical relevance to it, which makes it feel like it took place in the real world. And it's that that trick of if you're going to introduce something that is so out there, make everything else as real and relatable as possible. And I think it walks that balance really well. Um, and so I, I think, you know, the writing is really strong. I, I love that Anne Rice wrote the book and then you know, she did the screenplay. It was then heavily adapted from what I read by the by the director Neil Jordan um, but I, I think the the patience of the storytelling was really refreshing especially since I wanted it to be a mini series anyway you know, being able to take my time with it and really watch it I know both of us kind of watched it in installments as it is just because yeah. of the week it's been but it's been it was a really kind of slow grind that uh, had purpose to it. So I appreciated that. And then ultimately it got me thinking about vampires in a totally different way. Why are they scary? You know, I uh, look at Halloween decorations a lot of the time around this time of year, especially living in a neighborhood now. I see them everywhere. And I've been thinking more and more like, why are certain things scary? What is like scary, scary? What's fun, scary? Where Where does that come from? And with this, I think the thing that makes it really upsetting in a entertainment way but also in a a real like human way is that vampires scare us because it's about that draw to power that that people find it's about that coveting what someone else like you see it in uh christian slater's character at the end where he's like i want what you have and like that that hubris of thinking if i had immortality i would do it right i would be happy this person doesn't like they have no idea how to use this gift it should belong to me um and so i think that's really relatable i think that that sense of uncontrollable hunger plays into that same kind of theme but you know ultimately that the 
possibility of something like that out there that hunts us, that we are not, that humans are not the top of the food chain. I think that's really interesting too. And that's why all those concepts fold together to be this uh, iconic monster and to take those monsters like they call them over and over again in the movie, like your monsters, your monsters. And then Antonio Banderas is like, but they're beautiful. I think that sums up a lot of the execution of this beautiful monsters doing horrible things. uh, But at one time they were people. So how do they balance that with their, their fallen humanity? I just think it's, I think it's a really fascinating world that they built here. You could explore it. I'm sure there are so many details uh, worth re-watching on this. But uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend Interview with a Vampire. Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, not, not just, not just any- anyone. Yeah. Please. Please. Yeah, no. Just the ones that have something to say. Yeah, I, I would recommend Interview with the Vampire. Uh, or just Vampire because it's cleaner. Because... I I really haven't, you know, thought this much about uh, vampires. I mean, you think you know everything. You're probably going to think about vampires. Uh, and, and there was actually, I mean, there's a lot of contention about this. A lot of people uh, felt the way that they feel about Twilight of like, that's not what vampires are. Vampires aren't supposed to be pretty. This, that, the other. Like, like I said before, like people felt the same way about this movie. But I think the thing that is fascinating is that um, they really kind of took the time to build the the world and the ecosystem of vampires so that, like, even if your version of a vampire existing, um, it almost feels realer mm. by, by the world that they built. Like, people becoming vampires and the new way of living that these individuals start becoming accustomed to is like kind of terrifying. It's like, Oh, right. like if I became a vampire, this is what my life would be. And so they grapple with really real challenges and struggles and it almost makes it more real. Uh, and that is scary. Like, uh, cause typically with uh, most monsters, you're, you're afraid of the monster, uh, coming after you, but like becoming a monster is, you know, scarier almost. It's just like, oh, mm. I, I don't think that that could be me, could it? It ended up being scary in different ways. It's just like, oh, gosh, like, Louis became a vampire, like, properly. And that is kind of scary. And this little girl became just a, a serial killer. Like, it was just, it was very chilling. It's just like, oh, like, I, I, I am not settled by any of this. Uh, but it was also something that I thought was uh, pleasantly surprising, especially with all of the material that they went into and just the story that they decided to tell. And it really made me want to go through Anne Rice's other works and really sink my teeth into it. Oh, who <sighs> was that guy? <laughs> you have my Just number. Right Fax me. Uh, so <laughs> that is why I would recommend interview with vampire oh i love that and i i think you're absolutely right about what makes this scary is the the transmutation sure of uh becoming the monster and i think because of that you know vampires werewolves and zombies really are in a class of their own because it is 
you lose your sense of self. Like you to go from what being human is to what a monster is. Uh, these stories lead you to believe it's a pretty slippery slope, uh, and it can happen pretty quickly. And we like to think that we're in control over that kind of thing, but uh, all of them typically have that theme of the monster inside of us being released. So, uh, yeah, it's scary, it's real, but it was a good movie. No, it really was. Actually, it really was an interview with a vampire. <laughs> it really was. What is this, oh. some kind of interview with the vampire? It is. Oh. A lot of time jumping, some kind of chronicle. Okay, well named on both <laughs> both titles. Well done. And that is our review of the 1994 movie Interview with the Vampire. Let us know what you remember about the Interview with the Vampire on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice on a scale of one to five, um, you know? Rats. <laughs> because if you got five rats, you don't need to eat a person. You just squeeze those things back like a Capri Sun and you're good to go. I have zero other suggestions. I 100% am there for that one. So if you like the way we vamp about vamps, make us a five rat podcast. Yeah! That's the commercial for the thing that's already out. <laughs> if only we could have planned Last this. week. <laughs> Last week. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and I guess, I mean, should we wish them a happy Halloween? That's, that's our Halloween yeah. episode, right? Yeah, you know what? Go out and enjoy your Halloween. Yeah, have a happy Halloween. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With The Mandalorian Season 2 finally coming to Disney+, Plus, we're taking a look at a different kind of bounty hunter in the 2010, I want to say rom-com, Jennifer Aniston, Gerard Butler vehicle, The Bounty Hunter. I know they're going to hunt some bounties. Is, is that what a bounty hunter does? Uh, Yeah, bounty is like, um, it's like a gazelle. Oh, I thought it was like a paper towel thing. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> Is The Mandalorian not about cleaning up messes? Oh, The Mandalorian is all about cleaning up messes. Other people's messes, you're welcome. <laughs> Pay me. The Mandalorian, season two. <laughs> <laughs>